Hello there. there. Welcome back to Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Today, we are recording episode 41, and we are going to be taking a look at the Clone Wars episodes, Legacy of Terror and Brain Invaders, to continue our chronological rewatch of the series. I'm Jacob. I am the Geonosian Queen. Sorry, I'm Eli. Uh, I, I need to think of somebody today. Um, and yeah, let's get into it. Before we get into this episode, um, we do want to note something. I'm extremely squeamish, so uh, this is going to be one of the rare exceptions where Jacob watches something that I don't, because I can't watch Brain Invade without like puking. So um, that's so I watched Legacy of Terror, Jacob watched Legacy of Terror, and Brain Invaders. This is going to be the only time, because I swear it's just this episode. Um, even this episode pushed it a little bit for me. So um, These episodes were crazy. They were wild. Yeah, yeah so um, before we get into our deep analysis... Let's do our summaries. I'll take Legacy of Terror. You do Brain Invaders. So it's good. Okay. Uh, Legacy of Terror. Um, in their quest to capture Poggle the Lesser, um, Luminara Unduli and later Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi come upon a Geonosian temple. And this temple leads down to some catacombs which lead to the lair of a Geonosian queen. Uh, Karina the Great. Karina the Great answers one of the biggest questions I always had about Star Wars. Um, great stuff. Karina the Great's goal is to control an empire um, of Geonosian mind slaves far beyond the planet of Geonosis through the use of brain worms. Worms that crawl inside your nose and, infe and infest you to become, a, to become a willing servant of the Geonosian hive mind basically yeah you can see why i didn't watch the next episode and so anakin um anakin and obi-wan rescue luminara narrowly from being infested by one of these parasites and they uh flee geonosis um successfully unaware of the danger that's about to unleash on them that's legacy of terror brain invaders so having collapsed the Geonosian temple and so everyone's escaped from the progate temple the clones the Jedi they're all chilling out and and, and then Barris and Ahsoka are sent on a mission to deliver a, to deliver medical supplies to Kit Fisto on a medical station unfortunately uh, a clone boards the uh, boards the medical frigate who has actually been infected by one of these brainworms and he brings an entire backpack's worth of brainworms with him scatters them around the ship and pretty soon most of the clones maybe maybe close to all of them at one point end up being end up end up infected and as you can imagine chaos ensues uh ahsoka and barris have to figure out how to retake control of the ship eventually even even barris um is is trapped by the infected clones and gets infected herself um you know more battles ensue, uh, but but Anakin, luckily Anakin, uh, always always the unconventional one, decides to tap into the dark side and torture Poggle the Lesser to find out how to defeat the worms, and then using the information that the worms are very vulnerable to the cold, Ahsoka is able to uh, do something to the ship. I think she releases the, the maybe the coolant or the, these frozen gases inside the ship. 
and 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 ends up you know, freeing the freeing the clones from the hold of the ship. It's it's very dramatic, uh, very very scary if you don't like worms and such as Eli does not. But it's a pretty interesting episode. So yeah, we will get to all that. But first, Legacy of Terror. Legacy of Terror's fortune cookie is sometimes accepting help is harder than offering it. Um, I think it was a pretty interesting statement. Yeah, me too. I, I definitely think it it rings true um, in, in many people's personal lives. You know, yeah. my, mine included. I think it's a pretty relatable statement. But in terms of the story, I think it could have been, they could have phrased it better. I don't think it quite hits the right, I don't think it exactly hits the right mark because it's not exactly what we see ending up happening doesn't really hinge on asking for help but rather people going off on their own and trying to accomplish accomplish yeah. a task solo dolo like luminara in this episode she takes a ton of unnecessary risk against um the other jedi's suggestions you know she goes in the sandstorm on her own she she goes into the temple because she she really wants to follow pogo even kiati mundi says it's not in her character to do that and and that makes me think maybe a little theory crafting here maybe maybe, maybe the fact that she almost lost Barris in, in a previous in the previous episode i believe it is uh, in weapons factory that's the one maybe that shook her maybe she's trying to prove to herself that she's capable of doing things on her own given that she she has such a, a tight bond and working relationship with uh with Barris, but you know it's, it could it's also just be the stress of the war you know the jedi have been fighting a war for over a year now so you know yeah it could also just be that war changes people that's true yeah i mean palpatine is definitely in in his own in his own uh memoirs in the book of sith i don't know if that's canon he, he's it's definitely not canon. it's you, not canon this Dang is like it, the third it. time in a row you've mentioned it and asked know, if it's canon it's I, not canon okay it's not canon fine <laughs> oh fine i'm i'm, I'm it doesn't mean it's it. not good it's just not canon i love it it's great i love it but in any case he's certainly and i, I imagine that this is something that could carry over quite easily into the new disney canon he, he is quite quite uh up front in his retelling of things, in his use of the war as a tool to make the Jedi more arrogant and and yet also less sure of themselves and less sure of their instincts, and I think that that definitely shows here how you know normally, you know it's 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 Luminar, you know she's she's by the book, she's a team player, she's not a risk taker, but all of a sudden in this episode. She just kind of, even in the way she talks, you can tell there just seems to be more urgency. There seems to be more of an edge to everything. You know, she really kind of I mean, her almost name goes off the handle at one point. Her name is literally Luminara Unduli. She undulates light, luminance. <laughs> yeah. That's that's her that's her literal name. And yet she's taking all these unnecessary risks and all of that kind of stuff. She's being reckless. If that's not showing how war changes people, I don't know what does, you know what I mean? uh yeah uh so let's get to the actual meat of the episode and our analysis and stuff um uh, let's see here's something i noticed about luminara uh you know she's usually a serious and stoic jedi master 
But then she tells Obi-Wan, just make sure to leave a bit of strategic planning for me when I come back, which is an unexpected flash of humor in Luminara's point of view, which is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And I think, so, yeah, yeah I think we see the same thing in the fortune cookie also with Anakin, you know? Anakin tries to go it alone, and even after, I guess it's kind of getting ahead a little bit, but we can circle back. He he suggests they split up right after they lose the clone, right after they lose two clones, to the Geonosian zombies, and Obi Wan ends up having to tell him that it's obviously a bad idea. This is maybe maybe a little bit more in line with what we see in in other parts of Anakin's journey, but it, it definitely is something that I it think could. is played definitely up could. in this um, episode let's let's um before we do anything else i want to get some low-hanging fruit in this episode um obi-wan describes the geonosian hive minds as connecting with its hosts even after they have died did this remind you of something by any chance i want to see if you got there too um no i don't I, if there was a reference i don't think i don't i'm think not I sure it. i'm not sure about the specific wording and stuff but that like whole that thing that he says about connecting the hosts even after it's di- they've died. Let me ask you a question, Jacob. Did what? you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? That, oh, that reminded you of Darth Plagueis. Oh, that's it reminded me of Palpatine's speech to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith for some reason. Oh yeah, I, I didn't make that connection, but yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, um, that's super cool. There, there's something else. Oh yeah, Anakin says that the myth of the hive mind quote can't be true. That's impossible. That is a reference. Yeah, that, I know no, that's a reference. No, it's not true. It's, that, that, search that's, your yeah, that's feelings. You know it to be true. Right? Yeah, that's that's totally. Also, later in this episode, of course, Anakin has a bad feeling about this, um, as he should, because they're you know interacting with a hive mind. Yeah. Um, so those are my low hanging fruits for this episode. Um, yeah, I absolutely love this episode. I. Well, yeah. l- let's get to it after we get to our analysis, because I don't think I agree, actually. Um, but really? anyway. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so they're dragging boxes to the temple. We never really actually know what in- what's inside those boxes. We don't, yeah. I mean, it's pretty, yeah. I mean, obviously Poggle's in a hurry. Yeah. But it does seem kind of imprudent when we have the... So he says, Lord Poggle says, leave it. you got to keep moving. Wouldn't... Wouldn't wouldn't leaving the box there? I mean, it ends up providing a clue that they're headed of where they're headed, and kind of confirms. And wouldn't Luminara want to open the box? Temple. She found yeah. the box. Wouldn't she want to open thing. it? Like, I, that would have been so cool. I feel like one thing this episode really did well was kind of add these layers of suspense and mystery, and then slowly peel them away. And I feel like there may have been a missed opportunity there. With yeah. the box, like maybe that box would co- somehow could have been a, a bit of a clue as to the the existence of Karina the Greater or, or, or something, or depending the, or on the what the hive mind or anything or yeah, yeah, um, just depending on what the the contents of the box were. My I favorite don't know how is they do that, but that would have been my awesome. favorite is M- M- Luminara describes it as quote a munitions container of some kind, so a box. <laughs> yeah. It just box. seems like an overcomplicated and and fancy way to describe what is essentially a crate. They don't. Even, I know, and then they don't even open it to confirm. They're like, it's a munitions crate. You think? I mean, people talk about they criticize JJ for leaving mystery boxes in 
in the the this plot device of mystery boxes in his work. I mean, the writers are leaving literal mystery boxes in the stories and then never opening them. <laughs> Which I think is kind of hilarious when you think about it. Yeah, it's um, crazy. By the way, this sandstorm that Luminar gets caught in, we talked last time with Alden Diaz about how great the animation is. The yeah. sandstorm is beautiful. Yeah, I really like the wide, a lot of the wide environmental shots in these episodes. I really They're getting like so much better at animating The textures, stuff. the coloration, yeah, it definitely <laughs> is a step up. So I guess we can move on then to the meat and potatoes, in my opinion, of this episode, which is, of course, the Progate Temple. Yeah. So that sounds that I know, sounds kind of like a a, a sports and like a like a sport, it sounds uh, like a sponsored by stadium. Progate. No, yeah, it sounds like a sports game <laughs> there. Welcome back to the Super Bowl held at the Progate Temple or something. I don't know. That's a I title name if I've heard it. I, I think I think because it uh, maybe um maybe because probably because Progate kind of sounds like Colgate. Yeah, I think that's probably that. where you got it from. Um, yeah. You haven't watched as much as I have, but um, this whole temple sequence felt so Indiana Jones to me. Uh, yeah, I see. So, I can I can see that. Yeah, I so really really. Last episode, we were talking with Alden Diaz about uh, Indiana Jones, um, and I said a, bo- a bold move in his opinion that my favorite Indiana Jones movie is Temple of Doom, uh, yeah. which is not a very popular opinion held in the Indiana Jones fan base. Um, which is fine. I don't really care. Um, I will like Temple of Doom on my own. Uh, this felt very Temple of Doom to me. This this episode felt very Temple of Doom to me. Um, they even I think they even do hypnotize people in Temp- Temple of Doom, not using worms though, so it's not as scary. Though, if you thought this episode was dark with the whole temple mind control thing, they rip a dude's heart out of his chest in Temple of Doom. Jeez. Don't ask how they do that. <laughs> no, I was not. I was not planning on it. The answer, by the way, the answer is there's no good answer. They just do. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, it's, I, ca- I absolutely... it's really silly, but like, yeah. Yeah, I think this temple scene is just one of my favorite moments. The whole episode, pretty much, or the whole middle act of this episode, honestly, is just so great. You know, the ominous music, the the super suspenseful atmosphere. It's just, it's just so perfect to me. Like, you know, Luminar and the clones, like it, you kind of get the sense that they know, they know they're in deep at this point. They know that they're oh, yeah. going to, like, they know they're going to see things and experience there's no, things. There's, they know there's something they, down there. Yeah, they won't, they know that they're going to see things they won't be able to unsee, but they have to go ahead anyway. It, I think it does a really good job of bringing in this, like, like the, the viewer with the kind of horrified, the, like the, morbid fascination like you're horrified but but you don't want to look away because like you know they kind of build they kind of build up to it and drop hints of like there's something bad down here don't go down there kind of don't go in the basement and i don't know i yeah. just i i just love like the first kind of realization of like there's something greater at play here yeah than we've realized and there's there are more layers to peel back that's the thing i love about this episode the most there's so many layers that we just keep peeling yeah. back more and more can i tell you about my revelation about karina the great by the way what is your i've been waiting to karina talk about this so karina the great has answered one of my uh one of my uh, long lasting star wars questions that i forgot i had until i watched this um so i've been trivia watching the clone wars recently 
Um, and I got to this episode a couple weeks ago, and I it finally clicked for me. Jacob, let me ask you something, okay? It always mystified me. Why is Poggle the lesser? You know what I mean? Why, if Poggle is the leader of Geonosis, why is he the lesser? Who is the greater? Well, it turns out, of course, there is no greater. There is only a great, a.k.a. Karina, the great. The lesser, lesser than Karina, who is the great. That may sound obvious, yeah. but I didn't have that, this revelation until, like, three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I think it kind of, it, it is definitely cool because I, at least when I was watching the first two episodes of, of the Genesis arc and when I watched Attack of the Clones, I was like, oh, Paul Gabalester, that's just a title. I'm not worried about it. Like, there's nothing here. Yeah. Yeah. But then I I, when we get when we like when we start realizing like, oh, there's a rumored queen, you're like, wait. Lesser than the, the queen. Who's yeah. the greater? So yeah. I, I don't know. I yeah. think it's a really cool. Uh, yeah, I just like I didn't put that together until this episode, even though I've seen this episode before, but like and I knew who Karina the Great was, I didn't put that together, but yeah, I love that. Um I love that revelation I had. Um probably not as mind blowing to you because you didn't like wonder that or some or like care about that like i did which is fine uh i get deep into things sometimes um yeah uh so anakin and obi-wan devise a plan to rescue luminara and find out more about this genogen hive mind this is one of the most interesting things that happens in this episode in my opinion which is that anakin and obi-wan and cody talk their plan out you Do you realize how ra rare that yeah. is in Star Wars? We usually hear, what's your plan? And then they cut away. And then we see the plan. We don't hear the plan. Or we just but, get dropped right into the action. Uh, they'll just be like, follow the plan. Or, or, or they just communicate it. Or they do a montage. Or they do a montage of them explaining the plan over them doing the plan. But very rarely do they actually say their plan and then do the plan directly afterwards. That's pretty rare, um, which I actually really appreciate. I think that's really, I, I, I think that's really interesting. It's an interesting touch to the episode. Um, yeah. Um, here's a line I loved. Um, uh, so let's get to Karina. Now, I have a question off the bat about Karina that's interesting to me. It would be a logistical problem if I wasn't so interested in it. How could Karina speak basic? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Maybe, may, maybe the fact that, well, she, I was going to no, know, yeah, she didn't put a brain worm in Luminara Unduli. Maybe she picked it up because her brain worms, maybe, I, I assume that just her hive mind has grown to that level where, yeah. where maybe there were, people on the surface during the battle of geonosis or something or maybe she just knew it yeah. from before we don't know we don't know how old she is we don't know what her lifespan is so she seems like a very very smart i want to say person but she's not a person she's a geonosian she seems very very smart she seems very she seems very she has a she she seems very like she knows what she's doing um as opposed to a lot of the other geonosians who often seem very stupid um she seems like she has a way in 
has a way with the Republic and has a way with strategy and cunningness. Yeah, I'm very interested in her. She calls Geonosis, one of my favorite touches of this episode, she calls it Geonosia, which yeah, is an interesting native name, and I love that. I love the idea that they call it Geonosia, which makes it way more like, I don't know, it makes way more like that sort of like, again, like the the aspect of like the homeland the this is their turf it's very interesting yeah um, to, to me it's it's interesting the way i don't know it almost sounds as though then it becomes less of a planet and and more of a place if that makes sense not even a place yeah. but less of a planet almost maybe an idea i don't know how to i don't know how to describe it yeah I'm thinking, it's but... it's a very it's a very interesting it just gives it a different way to look it gives at it, it a different touch which i like yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Absolutely. And then she gives this creepy speech, which I will say this: had I not known how deadly the brainworms were, this speech would not have worked. You know what I mean? Without the threat of what we know she's about to unleash, this doesn't work. But with the threat, it's terrifying. I know my empire is forever. I know destroy you. I devour you. I yeah. control you. Yeah, that, that was that was a pretty that was a pretty chilling moment. It's to say. crazy. Um, I wrote in my notes. Even though my squeamishness prevents me from enjoying the brainworm idea fully, there are still things that I admire about it. Which there are. There are things that I really enjoy about the idea of. Basically, the idea of hey, our species can't get far enough or do enough, so we're just going to put our influence in every other species of out, out there. Yeah. Which I think smart. is funny. Um, it's an interesting idea. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's all the notes I have about Legacy of Terror. Do you have anything else? Let's see. Um, not really. Yeah, I just love the way the, the reveals keep coming, you know, with Obi-Wan yeah. and realizing that they're planning to try try and infect Luminara when he realizes oh wait they haven't they haven't killed her yet it's so good the way they just keep revealing more and more slowly um i do have some trivia that i found for this episode good stuff which i think it's interesting so this episode was released in the year 2009 which to me is absolutely crazy to think about that seems like that, that seems like so long ago in terms of what's happened for star wars since then oh no um, kidding but that means that it is it was released in the same year as the book Death Troopers, which is famously, infamously also about Another zombies. Another zombie book. So I guess yeah. for two, I guess for Star Wars, two thousand nine was the zombie year, the year when they went all in on zombies. <laughs> you know what? Hey, hey, look. It it was it was two thousand nine. It was also two thousand eighteen or nineteen. I forget which one it is. Hey, hey, guys! I think Dak is a zombie. Oh my Wait, gosh. your ship just got shot down. Yeah, but but zombie. Wait, if nobody one, knows which... that reference, you got to check out Hostels of the Hill. Bad lip, bad lip reading. Hostels right of now. the Hill. Bad lip reading. Yeah, yeah. So pretty, great. Pretty good. Pretty good. Good stuff. Um, in uh, so James Lucino wrote the book Catalyst, which uh, that that is canon, correct? It is. It's one of the first canon books. Yeah. Right. So yeah, Catalyst. James Lucino. In that, Hoggle actually uses, or 
oh my gosh, I misspoke. <laughs> no, Palpatine uses Poggle's capture to explain the fact, to explain away the fact that he had the plans and was able to begin the construction of the Death Star, even though he probably knew about it, at least at the time of Attack of the Clones, given oh, that he definitely knew we about see it. Dooku in Attack of the Clones, we see Dooku looking at a hologram so they, of the Death so Star like... plans. So I guess he, he just... These are your, this is your excuse. super... This is my super weapon. No, this is my super weapon. You took it from me. Yeah. No, but you see, this is my super weapon now. Yeah, ever, Krennic is always complaining that that the the, the Krennic got stolen from. But you know, he needs to he needs to respect the the Geonosians. It's on some level, it's not just his creation. Like it has been going on for years before he got involved. Like the Geonosians yep. designed it. The Geonosians came up with it pretty much. Yeah. But it also could be Palpatine's design. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is a lot to. There are or like still just at a lot least Palpatine's unknowns. idea. Maybe it was their design, Palpatine's idea, because I think Palpatine. Yeah, there are a lot of we still don't know about it. To be fair, like, like because you know Galen, or yeah, Galen Urso, you know, uh, was basically portrayed as the one guy who knew how to make the super laser work. In um. Yeah in Rogue One. So then that, that implies that the Geonosians maybe had plans for the super laser, but maybe weren't able to weren't able to see it all the way through and, and make it work the way it needed to work or something. Okay, let's get but to I our digress. Let's get to our overall thoughts about this episode. Um Jacob, you already mentioned loving this episode, which is interesting. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this episode. I I thought that the the part where we actually you start to see Karina the Great talking and interacting more with other people. I thought that part was a little bit underwhelming. I didn't particularly like their their choice of a voice for her. I think it was pretty uh I thought it was a little underwhelming. I didn't particularly you know who like that voice speechy. is. What is it? So it's an actor who's played many other roles in the Clone Wars. Really? Yep. You can guess who it is. He's done like everything. Oh man, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I know to be honest. D. Bradley Baker. No way. Yeah. Well, I think this was, you know, respect to him, but in my opinion, this was. I not, I wouldn't even say it was a bad performance because it wasn't. I just don't think it was. I just don't a think it was right. Thing. Yeah, it wasn't even bad. I just personally, I just didn't like it for. Karina the Great, you know, the high-pitched screechy thing and the way that she spoke basic but but also kind of like the broken English aspect. I don't know. It just didn't really seem like the right fit, the right fit for her character. And and that honestly made it, that made the middle of the episode or maybe the, I guess, the really the back third, the third act, I guess, kind of drag a bit. You know, that, that being said. Um, you still loved it. I still loved it, you know, super suspenseful, super dark. It almost reminded me of um, the the of uh, Palpatine's reveal in the Rise of Skywalker. It was super dark, super suspenseful, and they kind of save that because I have something with an element of morbid fascination. That's save that because I have something that, to say about that later. Right, you, um, you can say the rest. But yeah. Uh, I, of course, because this is in a galaxy and wouldn't be complete without us doing this, I'm going to disagree here. 
I Legacy of Terror wasn't for me. It just didn't do it for me. It was fine. I it was fine. I liked it. Okay, it was good. There was some stuff like you know I'm not in love with this whole um brainworm thing and like legacy. I mean it was terror inducing and I did like that part of it. That it just didn't vibe with me, which is completely fine. Not every piece of Star Wars is for everyone. We're getting to an episode the next time. So next week is not a Clone Wars episode episode, but the following week is. And the, and the middle of the three episodes of the following week is my favorite episode of the Clone Wars, period. So that's what I love about the Clone Wars. Is if you don't like something particularly a lot, there's usually something around the corner that's going to be a lot more for you. And that's me with season two right now. I don't like Legacy of Terror. I can't watch Brain Invaders. But Grievous Intrigue slaps, and The Deserter is my favorite episode of The Clone Wars. So I'm excited to get to that. Yeah. Um. So let's get on to Brain Invaders. So what is our uh, fortune cookie for the episode? I actually don't know. All right. Our fortune cookie for this episode is Attachment is Not Compassion. Ah, uh, yes. A pretty good fortune cookie. It definitely rings true for Star Wars. And it yeah. is a very it important It seems very theme. potent in Anakin's case. Yeah, and how can the Jedi, you know, I think even at one point, Ahsoka says that how we, like, on the, um, in the, the episodes with the Loreman in season one with, I think it's in a talk with Ayla Sakura, she says something um, with almost the exact same wording, but flipped around where it's like, we are taught to banish our attachments, but how are we, how are we meant to be compassionate without forming attachments? So you know, it's an interesting debate. I don't really it think it's reflected of, too much in this episode, but there are some moments where it, it does come through. It reminds me a lot of Ahsoka's dialogue to Din in chapter 13 of The Mandalorian. Grogu has already formed an attachment to you. And, you know, it's, she does seem, she does actually do a lot of that attachment is not compassion because we see she's compassionate for all the villagers in the city of Kaladin on Corvus, but she is not really attached to any of them, um, which I guess you could say um, she's no Jedi and all of that. But like, then again, Dave did say the whole she's more Jedi than the Jedi thing. So, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. That's just what I think of. But go ahead, summarize, uh, not summarize, get into your analysis because I'm just going to I'm going to so, just just bounce things off me. Yeah. So regard this is going to be a little short. I don't have a lot to say about this episode, but, you know, we'll, we'll find something to about so Barris at one point in in regards to attachment is not compassion begs ahsoka to kill her in order to stop the spread of the worms but ahsoka refuses to slay her friend and then they kind of talk about this later and it, it's an interesting it's an interesting question you know if like ahsoka is too attached to her but is this is this the same thing as compassion because being more compassionate might mean actually let, letting Barris potentially die um, in, in order to prevent the spread because if Ahsoka had not succeeded in a in a slicing the worm out of Barris's mouth you know the ship would have been the ship would have been lost and then interestingly enough of course Anakin always the dark sider even when he's on the light side he ends up lecturing Ahsoka about this very thing but then he oh falls my victim God. what he doesn't 
yeah, yeah, yeah. He falls victim to the very same phenomenon when when his attachment to Ahsoka drives him to the dark side, and he uses the Force to force choke Poggle the Lesser when he as he is interrogating him to try and find a way to stop the uh, the brain worms. And I think that's a real. I think that that's almost in terms of the larger message, in terms of looking at the episode philosophically, I think that might be the most interesting part of the episode it, because it really is emblematic, I think, of Anakin's struggle. You know, he loses so many people he is close to over the course of his life up to this point, and he ends up being comfortable and justifying doing terrible things and going closer and closer to the dark side in order to try about. and yeah. save the people that we care he cares about you know we talked about this with alden diaz last week i was um, just about to say episode 41 the psychological complexity of anakin skywalker part two, part two yeah <laughs> and i i think it's interesting just seeing the way this all just culminates then in what happens with with padme but padme, i think yeah that's something that the clone wars does a really good job of is 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 showing this isn't a one-off like the thing with padme wasn't a one-off like this has been like this has been a pattern of of behavior for years at this point by the time revenge of the sith rolls around of anakin like basically doing whatever it takes yeah no matter no matter the cost to save the people dearest to him which yeah that's interesting and I think the Order sixty six foreshadowing in this episode is is pretty crazy too. You know, with the clones being possessed by the brainworms and Ahsoka yeah. being forced to, yeah, that actually did occur to me. Um, or it's not Ahsoka; it's Bar- Barris ends up killing a clone, um, in a, in a yeah. pretty brutal manner. But then, you know, not Ahsoka still that, has to fight them. You know, yeah, Ahsoka has to fight them. It's super creepy to me and, and fascinating when the clones say at one point after they uh after they apprehend barris they trap her and then they say if there's one thing we clones know how to do it's how to stop a jedi and that that is just wow because that 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 seems way out of left field you know the, these clones you know they fight droids and yes they fight alongside jedi but crazy right and then I, so it brings I think... up the question did the worms somehow subconsciously tap into part of the order 66 programming did they that's what i was thinking did the up? worms activate part of the inhibitor chip i doubt that i i, I seriously doubt that but I, I wouldn't be surprised if the worms i would i would in, like in die their, if that was the way real. that they work the way that the worms work i would not be surprised given that we don't know really what they actually do to a person if they can kind of stir up the subconscious and Kind of try and re- rewire their brain as they're fighting your brain for control so that things that are in your brain but that are maybe locked off or subconscious are, are suddenly brought to the surface at least for the worm's consciousness to be able to say that like maybe yeah. the clone might like the clone doesn't know maybe the like i don't know how to describe this let me let me try and explain what i'm thinking through the clone doesn't know that besides order 66 maybe they've just been trained in a way that can catch jedi but the worm ends up coming into their brain and mixing and 
creating a change is it's, I don't know, slithering around it there, doing whatever it's doing, controlling you. And the brain, and then that ends up making your brain, while it's under the influence of the worm, conscious of the fact that you've been trained in, in things that will help you catch a Jedi. Even if, it, even if it wasn't labeled as such to you, even if no one ever told you you're getting this training, it will help you defeat Jedi. But maybe the brain, maybe the, maybe the, what I'm trying to say is maybe the worm is, is the, the worm is the entity that's making the connections there and connecting the dots, adding two plus two, getting four. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I definitely see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So I think um, it's, I think it's really, really, scary foreshadowing but i i really love it it's a great moment yeah That's anything else you I got have. okay um, um what do you think what do you think of the episode i thought it was really good again it did a good job of being suspenseful i think it kind of went a little overboard i might say towards the towards the latter part but you know there's still some really great eerie moments like like at the beginning we have uh the clone sigh and, and he gets taken over by a worm right at the beginning of the episode and then he's asleep as it happens and then another clone wakes him up and he just kind of springs upright in a super uncanny way as though the brain is as though the worm is still trying to figure out how to control a human body and not a genogen body and then the other clone yeah. says to him welcome back to the land of the living but um and that's just like wah 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 and then, and then he says, thank you, brother, in a really deep voice. It's hilarious. But yeah, I really, uh, yeah. I love this episode. Actually, I wouldn't say I loved it, but I, I liked it. I thought it had some good things. Yeah, I can't say anything good about this episode because I still haven't watched it fully. So let's get on. Um, this is a new segment of Star Wars in a Galaxy that we're going to try. Um, we want to connect our in-depth analysis to a little, little, little more larger theme. Um, I actually was thinking, oh, you know what would be a great name for this? A larger view of the fo- God damn it! Oh no, it's been taken already. God damn it, Devor! God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, we might not have a name for it. I, I love the idea of taking it from the quote of Obi-Wan, uh, first steps into a larger world, but we don't have to na- have a name about this. Yeah. Uh, we, haven't, we don't have to have a name for it. Uh, so, uh, so... We both have, like, discussion questions. So, Jacob, let's go ahead with yours. Yeah, so so I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little unsure of what exactly this is going to entail, but I will do my best. So one thing that, yeah, as I said before, one thing that really stuck out to me was how well the both the episodes, but really mostly, really mostly the first episode, Legacy of Terror, how well it used... Um, morbid fascination and kind of suspense to draw the viewer in and and get them invested in the mystery of the progate temple yeah i was just wondering if you had any connections to other parts of star wars that use kind of this this element of mystery and suspense because it it Um, really reminded me of of again the rise like palpatine's reveal in the rise of skywalker the way all of a sudden, you've got all, you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Like, wait, all these back. Is he a clone? Yeah. Is he not? He's decayed. Do you have any examples? Hooked up to tubes. 
that was the that was my example. That was the example I thought oh, of. Interesting. But that was pretty um, much it for me. Well, the suspense thing, I would say there is a little bit of a suspense, like it's filled with shock also in the Rise of Skywalker of Chewbacca's fake out death. It's like, did they really just kill Chewbacca? Is this really what we're doing now? Um, and then it's of course revealed at Ian, but you know, that's that's fine. That's that's totally cool. Um, but uh yeah, that's the first example I thought of. Mine is a very similar idea. So I said, in this episode, Legacy of Terror, of course, we get a very clear horror vibe. Um, and I was just wondering about some of your favorite horror stuff in Star Wars. Here are three of my examples. Number one is, of course, the beginning of The Rise of Skywalker on Exegol, of course. You know, that is very shot in a very, and like Palpatine's revitalized fingers in the very Frankenstein-esque way he's put together. And like, that's totally horror. Another one with zombies, no less. Massacre. The episode with the Night Sister zombies. Um, the first episode um, in the Clone Wars. Of course, we get them with the spirits and secrets and shadows of uh, um, uh, in uh, No Visions and Voices is the episode in Rebels. And we get them in Fallen Order. But their first appearance was in an episode of the Clone Wars called Massacre. Um, I would petition that. I would also petition a very suspense and horror-filled episode the season premiere of Resistance Season 2, I don't know if you remember it, it's an episode called Into the Unknown, not the Frozen song. Um, <laughs> not the Frozen, not the Frozen. Not the Frozen song, the Resistance episode, where a BB-9 droid from the First Order gets onto the Colossus and starts to wreak havoc on it. Um, it's really suspenseful and horror-related, so I would lay those three down. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, in terms of the horror-like aspects, you know, I'm not... I don't really have a lot of experience with horror as a, as a genre of movie, so I can't say anything definitively. But one thing that I I really like that kind of uses that that kind of just delves into fear, like as as a topic is I can't remember the name of the episode, but it's in season one of Star Wars Rebels when when Ezra is in the Jedi Temple and he's having his visions of being chased by the, the Inquisitor and he witnesses in this vision uh, Kanan being killed by the Inquisitor. I think that's really interesting how we kind of we, we kind of go into and we see like what does what does fear do to like, like a Jedi and and how do they how do they overcome this and Ezra having to overcome it and and, and end up seeing what's real and what's not. Absolutely, which is which is yeah. difficult because you know he's he's young and inexperienced, but he has to, but he but he ends yeah the moment when he, I guess wins against his his inner struggle, is when he says, "You're not real. I'm not afraid." Yeah, good stuff. And of course, that, Star that Wars just I feel stuff, like is yeah. that feels so universal. Okay, um, I I definitely agree. Very, it's a, it's a it's a it's a classic yeah. Star Wars moment. It is a classic, classic Star, Star Wars, Wars moment. You know, I was about to say I like this little segment. I think I want to keep this. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm um, fine with okay, that. let's let's get to everyone's favorite part of the Star Wars in a galaxy. So excited! I haven't done this in two weeks. It's great. Two weeks? Oh my gosh! What you've brought me today is worth one quarter portion. That's right. It's one quarter portion. Everyone's favorite Actually, part of the show. Actually, it's two quarter portions because we it, didn't do it last week. It's a so half we're doing, portion. We're, we're catching up. One half portion. 
Um, anyway, so we're catching up. We're doing six degrees of Star Wars and Star Wars opinions. In my opinion, my two favorite one-quarter portions to do, actually. <laughs> um, so, I... Should we start with... You, can I start, start since you start on, on? Yeah. yeah I'll sure, start here. with my first six degrees. All right. This is one I'm so excited to do. I've not done six degrees in Jacob, so long. I'm a little nervous. Connect. Jedi Master Sifo Dias. Yep, I'm bringing in Sifo Dias into the th oh. into the throng. <laughs> and Admiral Cassius Constantine. Sifo Dias and Admiral Cassius Constantine. Does Sifo Dias even show up in a movie or TV show? Hey, 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 hey! Remember the one the. I mean, not alive, but remember the uh, episode of the Clone okay. Wars, is that, the lost one. Is that how you want me to go? Because I could try that. Well, you, we do know that he was a good friend of Count Dooku. Oh, okay. That opens up like sixty thousand different possibilities. Okay, I, I could, <laughs> I could just do that then. Okay. We so, also you know. know that, by the way, of course, he was a Jedi when Yoda was Grandmaster. Yeah. So it seems hard to for me to believe that he had never met Yoda. Yeah. So. Okay. So. Okay, so he is connected to Count Dooku, obviously, and he was a good friend. Um, Count Dooku is, I forget, Constantine, wow. Okay, and then Count Dooku dueled Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi met Ezra Bridger, and Ezra Bridger has talked over transmission with Admiral Constantine. Very good. Let's go to my first one. Thank you. I'm proud of that one. Is that is that the route you envisioned? Oh, I didn't actually think of anything. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wing this then. thing. I wing this thing. You wing it. On the we wing, wing it like the wings of the Caradax. Or the wings of the Master, or which I'm so sorry yeah. I had you remove, but okay. <laughs> do we, do, are the people listening at home going to know what we're talking about right now? We're announcing it tomorrow. Yes. Oh, redacted. Oh, wait, no. Okay. Very, very, very fun stuff. I can mention that soon, now. But I, I digress. Can... We'll announce at the end of the episode. How about, Eli? I would be, I would be most pleased if you could connect for me Admiral Yalaren and ah. General Hux. General! <laughs> <laughs> um, I had to do that. Hux. Did Hux meet Luke? God damn it! Hux never met Luke. That would have been so perfect too. But Hux met the other members of the Resistance, though, so you'll be able to go through oh, wait. It that way. Wait, tell your precious princess. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Hux, Leia, because remember, Leia knows everyone. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Leia. No. No. Oh wait, Hux, Leia, R two D two. Admiral Yalaren. Wow, nice. I did not. I did not expect you to go through R two D two. Or we could do like Hux a... Poe. We don't know that Hux met Leia. Hux Poe, R two D two. Yeah, that works. Yalaren. Oh, because he talks to him on the phone in the Your Mom scene. <laughs> and, and he's brought before Hux in the Rise of Skywalker. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. I <laughs> forgot about that. I can't believe I, I need to watch. I'm the, the spy. I only watched it once. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah. Uh. In my opinion, anyway. Yeah. So, okay. Orn Freyta. Yeah. And Nine Numb. Orn Freyta and Nine Numb. 
Ooh, okay, okay. Mm, I, oh, I just mm. realized one of the perfect routes to connect them. Okay. okay, so Orn Free Taw. Orn Free Taw. This will be Met. a... I'm going to say this. I'm not giving you a hint, but this is a going to be a difficult one to achieve. So Take Orn that with Free what you will. Taw, I will. I, I know. Um, Orn Free Taw met Mace Windu. Okay, you can do that too. Took one. Mace Windu, of course. Wait, has he? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Has Mace Windu met Mon Mothma on screen? We can't say he has. Dang it. Oh man. Okay, okay. Um, Orn Free Taw has met try to, Kenobi. Try, try to Kenobi. achieve it the other way. Anyway, go ahead, Obi-Wan. Can you say the Kenobi. same character again? I'm, I'm getting all tripped up here. Nine-num. Nine-num and Orn-Free-Taw. Okay, I'll, maybe I'll try to go the other way. So Nine-num, I think I got to go to Lando Calrissian from Nine-num. Oh, I got it. Nine-num, Lando Calrissian, Mon... Wait. Oh, I got the same problem again. Wait, no. Nine-num, Lando Calrissian, Leia. No, no, no. No, 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 no! Oh gosh! Oh gosh! Oh no! I'm having a really hard time getting it under Just six. Just do. Okay, I got it! I got it! I got it! I'm not! I'm not going to sheave it! I'm not going to. Why sheave are you it. not going to sheave it? It's the easiest Eli, way. Eli, Eli, listen to me. I'm a chronic underachiever. <laughs> okay. Sheave no, the no, best. No, no, I got it! 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 Nine numb. Lando Calrissian, Luke Skywalker, Obi Wan Kenobi. Orn Free Taw. By the way, let me just add Orn Free Taw, Palpatine. And then if you could say, if we could do it by Force Lightning, which I don't think we can, we could connect it to Nine Numb there. But if we can't, Ray Nine Numb. Okay, yeah. Or actually just Luke Nine Numb, actually, could work as well. But anyway, um, I figured out the sheave strategy. Okay, let's do Star Wars opinions. Asking each other Star Wars opinionated questions. Um, I, I guess I'll go first again. Okay. So, throughout our look at the Clone Wars and, uh, and various other Star Wars lore, I've picked up on a lot of different ideas of, like, ideas that are, that are hinted at but never explored. And I want to know something that you that has been hinted at in the Star Wars, something, anything, that you want to explore further. I want to explore. Ooh, that's a good question. That is a really good question. I feel like there's so many things I could say, but I Oh, want and to... by the way, actually, Jacob, I'm going to put two restrictions on both of us, okay? Okay. Your restriction is you cannot do anything related to the Jedi losing their way. Okay. I My restriction is I cannot do anything related to the Sith Eternal, no matter how much I want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that if we're talking about, about canon, one thing that I'd really want to see explored is the possibility of splinter groups and warlords after after the fall of the... after the Battle of Endor. So like Gideon, but even less legitimate? Like Gideon... But different, more legitimate, less legitimate, more powerful, less powerful, whatever it may be. I really think that it makes, to me, it makes, it's both more interesting 
and it makes more sense to have a situation more like what you had in the expanded universe where you have like the Thrawn, legends yeah Jin, Zinj, yeah. and, and the... Elyon and different warlords and groups kind of vying for power because that seems more like what the imperial people would do they're so selfish you know and we do have the long live the empire guy who kills himself but i think yeah. on the whole it seems more likely that we would end up with a situation where these selfish rank climbers now that they're given free reign and they don't have to fear palpatine invaders coming down on them are going to finally live out their fantasies and try and seize power for themselves except they're all going to do it at the same time so it's going to kind of break apart and we're going to have a similar situation Granted, that is probably not the vision that the people in charge of the plot have right now, so we may not yeah. see that. Though, though then again, that is I, I flashback to one of my favorite scenes in Season 2 of The Mandalorian, and for all you wondering, yes, I'm counting this as one of my favorite scenes of The Mandalorian. It's the flashback that explains Cobb's backstory. We see those Red Key Raiders take over Freetown, or Mos Pelgo, is it called in the episode? Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a hint of that, you know what I mean? That's a little bit of a hint of something like that. Um, but that scene endlessly fascinates me just in general because it's such a great scene, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally, totally, um, absolutely. Okay, Jacob, first one, go. Wait, didn't I just... Oh, wait, no, you just gave me one. I... Oh, I'm sorry, okay, okay. Come on. So I actually had two, but I realized this can be expanded, so I'm going to give you two for each of these. What is your favorite season of Rebels and your favorite season of the Clone Wars? Rebels is four. Just, it's four. Okay. It's so good. It's such a great conclusion to that show. Uh, three is great, but four is just pinnacle. Yeah. Clone Wars is a little bit harder because all my favorite arcs are scattered. I think season three may be my favorite season of the Clone Wars. Oh, season three. Interesting. Um, Elaborate. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of great arcs in that season. I remember looking, I thought it was season four for a while because it started with, uh, the Mon Calamari arc, which is one of my favorite all-time arcs in the Clone Wars. No, yeah, season three is incredible. Uh, it starts off with the Clone Cadets and the Supply Lines, which we did. Arc Troopers is an awesome episode. So is Sphere of Influence. Then we get into the Zero the Hut stuff, which is kind of interesting. Then the politics stuff. The only downside of season three to me is we get the mall stuff, and I'm not a huge fan of the mall stuff in the Clone Wars. But then we get the Citadel and Mortis back to back. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I like wait, season Citadel, five a Citadel lot. Of season three, Lola Saya. Yeah, yeah. I um, C Citadel and Mortis back to back is crazy. Um, I love season five. I love season seven, but it's gonna have to go to season three. I can I can respect that. That's not what I expected, but I definitely yeah. Go ahead with your own. Okay, so for Rebels, you know, obviously it's got to be between. As much as I have grown to love season one and two, I have to pick either season three or season four. This is really hard for me, but I think I'm gonna have to say season three. I just really like what that what they did, especially in the latter half of the season with the way Thrawn it's very suspenseful and he's kind of slowly closing in on on the rebels and maybe it is not quite as serialized or as personal as season four is but i think as an overall season i think it is slightly superior although to be fair i could 
I really can't pick, so I could just as easily have made the argument for season four. Oh, also, season four has a world between worlds, which is one of the best episodes of Star Wars Rebels, period. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. You know, no, yeah, I'm changing my mind. It's got to be, it's season four, actually. It's got to be season four. Sorry, I, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. It's, I I think it's got to be season four, actually. I forgot about the whole Sabine arc. I think that that really makes it. Oh, Prime. Yeah. That that is is Prime Star Wars. Clone Wars. Also, season four, we have uh, have Waterworld. Season, the opening Moncala arc is so underrated, it's not even funny. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting arc, the entire underwater. You have have that, you have... have, have Oh, I know why you love it. You have the Krell... Umbara, yeah, that's what does it for you. And you have the Kadavo arc, which is the Zegeria arc, yeah. One of the most one of the most philosophically, intellectually challenging and compelling arcs and stories in Star Wars period, full stop. You also have right after you the, have the Crisis the Zy- on Naboo, you have the Bounty Hunters. Yeah, you have the Bounty Hunter arc, which I love. And I will you have Massacre in that arc, which is also solid. So and then, solid. And then you follow it up with more uh, Maul and Savage action, which for you, I know that may be a minus, but Let's for me, skip. That's a, that's a, it's only two episodes. It's just, it's Brothers and Revenge, but it is a, yeah. it is it is good. It is to be a... No, season four is formidable. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Season four is formidable. I forgot yeah. to answer my own question last question, which is the unexplored idea. This is something I've been thinking about. I want to see a six-episode mock HBO, like Disney making a uh, TV show like HBO would, about the Dugs and the Zillow Beast and how they killed it the first time. Oh, yeah, that would be, that would be pretty fun. That would be incredible. How we need to get stuff? that. How about this? How about an in-universe David Attenborough nature documentary? I'd be down. An I'd be down. like nature documentary about it or something. Or, or in like an yeah. HBO or CNN-style type documentary i think that could be a yeah, lot of that'd fun. be that'd be great that'd be great okay my second question for you so the newest star wars project that's going to be coming out sometime i guess is star wars the bad batch uh it's a show yes. about the bad batch post order 66 realizing realizing that the galaxy doesn't really have a role for them uh so let me ask it's a two-part question what do and don't you want to see in the bad batch what do I want to see? That is such an interesting question. I want to see what happens to the clones after Order 66. I want to see yeah. what happens to daily life for an average backwater, mid-rim, outer-rim planet Yeah. after Order 66. I just want to see overall how they're going to things is it going to be different is it going to be the same what is the coruscant underworld that we see so much of in the clone wars going to look like something i don't want to see i don't want to fall into the same old trope of oh here's yet another jedi who survived order 66 please like we have to go kill them please because every i think there are instances where that is a good thing but every time they do that it, it does inevitably, I think, devalue. It makes the original trilogy feel slightly less special. It's like 
Because Jedi they're... Fallen Order for crying out loud. We get it. One Jedi survived. That's fine. Wait, another Jedi surviving to mentor wait, him? Another, and, yeah. Oh, wait, another one? Like, really? Are we doing this? Are yeah, we, just... we gotta do this? And like, it's not to say that I don't like any of these stories, but every time one happens, it feels like it just devalues the original trilogy a little bit. It it it's it's a DJ Khaled esque feeling. Another one. Another one. It is a DJ Khaled. It's like a, it's like the song with too, it's like a song with too many features. It's like wait, there's, wait. So there's DJ Khaled and and then there's Bruno Mars and Quavo and then and Travis Scott and, and then. Travis now you got like wait what like all the amigos are here and everything you know and it's just it's just too much it's then just, you got dj just, so can't. and so and, we just can't yeah, yeah. Like, okay yeah. that's yeah. exactly what it feels like to me too many cooks okay too many cooks in the kitchen here's what here do and don't it. let's get some interesting stuff let's get some prequel stuff in the original trilogy era like let's like I think uh, Alden called it, I think this is a term Ken Knapsack invented, the boot of the Empire period. Let's see let, Let's see what's happening to Coruscant under the Empire. Let's see what's happening to Kessel under the Empire, turning it into Kessel we see in Solo. Let's see what's happening to Naboo under the Empire. Let's do that. I, 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 want, I want that. Here's what I don't want. I also don't want it falling into a trope that Star Wars has fallen into a little too much. Here's what I don't want. Uh, the Bad Batch, um, this is a scenario I don't want. It's episode three of the new season, right? The Bad yep. Batch is in a really tough spot. They're dangling from a cliff, and then they're about to fall when somebody grabs their hand. We pan up from the camera, and we see it's Ahsoka Tano. No. Yeah, no Ahsoka. I don't want Ahsoka in this Ahsoka show. Needs... I don't want Vader. I don't want Obi-Wan. I don't Ahsoka want any familiar be... characters. See ya. Yeah. Bye. Especially Ahsoka. I love Ahsoka. She's one of my five favorite Star Wars characters. She's getting her own TV show for crying out loud. She might even be in more Mandalorian. She's already in seven seasons of The Clone Wars and, like, two seasons of Rebels and The Mandalorian now. We don't need more Ahsoka for crying out loud. I think what I'm coming to realize, at least for me, when you say this, is that not everything has to be across promotion not everything has to be shown yeah. on screen you know some things you know yeah. every time like ahsoka shows up again but now she's yeah. like once again tangled up in the empire and the yeah the republic we already got Jedi. ahsoka in the empire period it's a book written by ek johnston and yeah, it's exactly great. you know some let's things, leave it there some things honestly are better left to the imagination i think that yeah that is Here's something that i fear that disney might be losing a little bit is the power of mystery Here's, here's some exceptions, though, I will make, okay? We already know that Fennec Shand is in the Bad Batch. And I love that idea. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be If awesome. they bring Bosk into the Bad Batch, I will be completely fine with that. If they bring even somebody like Hondo into the Bad Batch, I if just, they bring yeah. as Morgan into the Bad Batch, I will not mind any of that. It's main characters. I don't want to see Ahsoka. I don't want to see Obi-Wan. I want to see Vader. I don't want to see, um, like, Boba Fett. I don't want to see Boba Fett. I never want to see Boba Fett. I don't want to see Tark. We already seen Tark. Tark and Tarkin's a slippery slope. I don't want to see Palpatine in person. Can we? If we cannot see Palpatine in person, I will die a happy man. You know what I mean? Uh, in the Bad Batch, yeah, we we don't want we don't want that. We don't want that. I, at least I don't want that. That's just my opinion. It's Star yeah. Wars opinions. That's what it's here for. Um, yeah, and again, you know. 
I will say, a couple weeks before the release of Chapter 9 The Marshall, I mentioned that I never want to go ta- back to Tatooine again. And then they made, made me love Tatooine and The Marshall again. Same thing with Boba Fett. I didn't want to see Boba Fett ever again, and then they made me love Boba Fett. So, take everything we say with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. 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 True. Jacob, final question. Final question. Another two-parter, I'm sorry, but I realized that this actually has to be a four-part question to cover all the bases. It's fine. What We're good. What is your good. favorite season of The Mandalorian and your favorite season of Star Wars Resistance? Okay. I'm going... It's the same answer for both of them. Season two. Season one of Resistance was phenomenal. It was great. But season two is better because it really dives deep into the emotions and the morals of these characters that we've grown to, hopefully, if you watch the damn show, love. <laughs> um, uh, in the last season, season two is a special season. It also takes place in a really interesting time period between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, which is a time period we need more of. It also has the Vox Vortex 5000, which is, an, which is a splendid episode of Star Wars television, uh, if I've ever seen one. <laughs> That's, it's going to become my new Zan- it, It's it's going to become my new Ochi of Best soon at this point. Um, anyway, um, Mandalorian, on the other hand, I was not a huge proponent of season one of The Mandalorian. I like the characters okay, but it didn't do enough new with the story to really grab me. Season two, however, was beautiful. There were some really great episodes. The Marshal was fantastic. The heiress the was even better. The Jedi was pure joy. The tragedy was incredible, and the rescue was very emotionally satisfying for me. Um, and I know I'm leaving out three episodes in that season, but one of them I thought was okay, and two of them I'll rather skip, um, which is much better than I can say for the last season, so season two in both cases. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so for me, actually, for Resistance, I'm actually going to say season one, because I just thought that season two was, it, it just felt kind of rushed and cluttered. I don't know, yeah, it just... To me, it just felt rushed and cluttered, to be honest. It you felt you do realize why that could be, right? Because it got canceled, or because they yeah. announced that season two was going to be last season. But it honestly, yeah. it honestly felt like they could have spread out the story more, and I think that would have helped it. So yeah, I feel like season one just felt a little more coherent. It felt like the show, the way it, it felt like it was Resistance on Resistance's terms. And sure, there were a lot of aspects of it that I didn't love, but I, I found some things to like about it, and I and I felt it was just a refresh. It was just refreshing to me. So, yeah, I just liked it for that. For the Mandalorian, you know, this is a really tricky one. Overall, I would say season two, because I think season one felt a little more together in terms of the way the episodes worked together, the coherence of the story. But season two just had some really great moments, um, you know, like like with with Ahsoka and and Boba Fett. I think the Boba Fett episode really sealed the deal for me. Also, the return of Luke Skywalker, incredible moment, yeah. really great, and and that is something that I that I really enjoyed. But okay, yeah, no less Cara Dune. That was a plus. I'm I'm not even gonna lie. No, look. But also, look, it was just we're all gonna formulaic. agree about this. It's just like, you know, we, we haven't mentioned this when we probably should have. Gina Carano is no longer working at Lucasfilm, and that is a mutually benef- beneficial decision for everyone. Honestly, 
honestly. I mean, except for her, but we don't really care. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, I, that... on it, yeah, honestly, okay, I just, sorry, I, I just wanted to say one more thing. I think, I don't know how to describe this because I feel like they both, both these, I think The Mandalorian to me is a little bit overrated. And so there are both, there are aspects of both these seasons that, that I kind of wish I could change or that I wish could change. But overall, I, I would pick season two, which feels a little more scattered over season one, which feels a little bit more formulaic and a little bit more repetitive. I, I definitely think season one is overrated. I don't think season two. I think season two is maybe a little overrated because of the hype, but I think season one is genuinely overrated. No, that's but fair. Anyway. That's fair. That's going to be it for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Next week, we got a special episode coming out. The magic of this special episode is we still don't know what it is. Um, I don't know what it is. I think Jacob's going to come up with something. It'll, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be great. It'll be great. The day after that, we are going to be streaming. We are going to have our second in a Galaxy live stream with uh, Pris from Fanatic Media. Andrew from Outer Rim Reads, Connor from the Nerd Academy Podcast, and Alberto from Radio Rebellion. I'm so excited to have the four, the four of them on the show. We're going to be doing a bracket and trying to convince each other that our episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels are indeed the best. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing next week. Um, uh, yeah, so two recordings in one. Um, until then, you can, of course, find us Anchor, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music, I think, now is podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast will be there. YouTube, we are Star Wars in a Galaxy. Follow us on Twitter, Star at in a Galaxy Pod. Instagram, at Star Wars in a Galaxy. You can follow my personal account, at OchiFan327. Uh, make sure to leave a rating and review. We really do appreciate it. Um, and until next time, may the Force be with you. Always.